Let's try a little better. Good morning, everybody. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. Did you bring your Bible today? Do you have one? Awesome. We're getting close to the end of the book of Revelation. We're in chapter 21. We're talking about the new Jerusalem today. I believe it'll be a big encouragement. Do you guys know we do have a, an eternal home? You did know that, right? Well, let, let's let's talk about it. Uh, do I have anybody in this room that likes to travel? Do you like to travel? I love to travel because I like to learn. I like to meet people. I like to see things. I want to grow. And I just enjoy it. My middle name is actually Go. Stephen Go Pearson. I love to go. I'm kind of like my black Labrador who's in heaven today. His middle name was Go also. Jake the Wonder Dog Go Pearson. If Mr. UPS pulled up in our yard and he went to our porch to put a package down, when he came back, if he left the door open, Mr. Jake the Wonder Dog was sitting in his seat going, yeah, let's go. Sometimes he had a hard time getting Jake the Wonder Dog out of the UPS truck. So I've had the privilege of seeing some awesome places, places that literally my mouth just dropped and I said, that is absolutely amazing. And uh, it's a big world, even though it's a fallen world, there's still a lot of pretty magnificent things around. Does anybody know where this is? This is the Biltmore House in Asheville. Uh, I've only been there once, but you you see that place. It is stunning and uh, uh, one of a kind. When I was in college, here I am, a small town boy, and I was part of a singing group, and our concert series ended. We were in Los Angeles, and one night, some of us were on a hill overlooking Los Angeles, small town boy. I'd never seen anything like this. I mean, the lights in my town were like one stoplight. And to look out over this was just absolutely gorgeous at night. This is the new shopping center at Pigeon Forge. Have you (laughs) seen it? Does anybody know where this is? This is Red Square, Moscow. On the left is part of the Kremlin, this amazing fortress where former dictators, including Stalin and Brezhnev, they're interred in the wall there, and Lenin is perpetually dead in a plastic enclosure. And this is St. Basil's Cathedral. Uh, I'm there, I guess, one night going to Siberia, and... Uh, my roommate and I, he was an ER doctor from Maryland, and we're in this hotel room. It's called the Krasia, which in Russian is red, and it was November, and the biggest, softest snowflakes are coming down, and I'm looking at this big picture window, and I went, man, this is magnificent. 
And my roommate, Joe, we were talking about faith and he, I asked him to tell me his faith story and he'd only been a Christian for six months. He was 50 years old and he, I'm in this bed, he's in that bed and we're watching this snow come down and he said, I can't imagine being in America and I didn't hear the gospel until I was age 50. I've been married four times. I've been an alcoholic. I've been a cocaine addict. And I've worked as a doctor all these years. My family, we were unchurched. And I never heard the gospel until I'm stitching up a young woman who has lacerations on her legs. And she shares Jesus with me. And I'm so hungry, I gave my heart to the Lord in between stitches. And I wish I'd kept up with Joe, but he would work long shifts in the ER room and then every six weeks go on a two-week mission trip. And uh, we had the best time in Siberia, Siberia leading people to Christ. This is the pyramids of of Giza. Uh, You see those things and you go, Joseph and Mary walked in front of these. With the baby Jesus, these things are majestic, just majestic. This is the new bypass around Nicholasville. (laughs) I've just started. Uh, This is what? This is the Great Wall of China. The fact it goes like 1,400 miles, and I don't remember how many centuries it took to build this thing. It is unbelievable it is breathtaking it is uh did i just do something or did it is it behind me aha it was unbelievable so what we're going to read here in just a few minutes i don't even know how much we can cover chapter 21 starts after the millennium ends So in the previous 20 chapters, you see the rise of the one world government. You see at some point in time, the church is raptured. You see maybe the greatest revival in earth's history. Maybe a billion people come to Christ. Uh, You see these wars called the campaigns of Armageddon. You see Jesus coming back, judging his enemies And then you see a thousand-year reign called the millennium. The answers are always up on the screen. And this is after the millennium is over. We're going to read here in just a few minutes. And John said, I saw this amazing city, this capital city coming down from heaven that will, my guess, become the center of God's new order for the universe. Now, let's talk about prophecy before we read it just a little bit. If you were to define prophecy, what is it? It's just simply God telling his people what he's about to do. Now, that could be 2,000 years later. But he's telling his people what's on his heart and what his plans are. And why does he do this ahead of time? Because he wants to prepare his people for what's coming. 
The second reason he does it is he wants to teach his people to trust him. He is, he is, he is good. He is just. And what he says will come true and we can count on it. For instance, let's just, let me just give you some examples. He said to a real man by the name of Noah, he said, I am going to destroy the earth with the flood. And if you look at cultures all over the world, they have a a history of the flood in their culture. And so it really happened. He said, I want you, I want to spare your family and start all over again. And it did happen. He told him, he told him to get ready and it came. Then he told a young woman by the name of Mary that she would, without a man, supernaturally become pregnant, conceive a son. And that son, 600 years, Isaiah saw it before Mary was born, would be the promised Messiah that the Jews, the chosen people, have been waiting for all this time. And lo and behold, it happened. It changed history. He told, point number three, the nation of Israel. That if they broke the covenant they made with, with him, that he would scatter them around the nations of the earth because of their persistent disobedience. He said this about six or eight times. Three times. Are you ready? Here are the three times. 732 B.C. was the first time they were scattered. There had been a civil war, ten tribes in the north called Israel, two tribes in the south called Judah. Well, Israel in the north had 21 wicked kings, and their culture went down, 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 till finally the Lord allowed the Assyrian Empire to come. I think it took them two years to take the capital city of Samaria. But when they took it, it was not pretty. The Assyrians were the very first ones to use terror as a military uh, tool. And these Assyrians were brutal. So every one of them, they either died or they were taken off as slaves And they were scattered and resettled over many countries in the Syrian empire. That's what's called the 10 lost tribes. The second time was the two tribes in the south. They had seven good kings out of 21 kings. And they'd have revival about every three kings or so. But finally... The last four kings were so evil, God said, I just cannot take this anymore. And so he allowed the Babylonians to come. Nebuchadnezzar took Jerusalem three times. The last time, it took two years. And it was horrible. And they burned the city to the ground. They burned the temple. It was complete devastation. The third time, Is 70 AD. You need to know that date. This is about 35 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And Jesus foretold that this would happen. How he wanted to, to gather 
Jerusalem like a hen gathers her chicks, but they would not listen. And he prophesied there would not be a single stone left on top of each other in the temple. They didn't listen. The Jews revolted about three times until finally the Romans leveled everything and sold the area with salt so nothing would ever grow. And you can see the menorah being carted out of the temple. Uh, I don't know if they ever knew what happened to it. And so uh, the point is this. Sin is very costly. If you decide to go off the rails and not walk with the Lord, it will cost you. Whether you're 14 or 44 or 84, it's just you cannot pay that bill. Obey the Lord. Walk with the Lord. Let the Lord be good to you. Don't make him come after you and discipline you. But here's the good news. A number of times the Lord gave prophecies that one day in his mercy, he would gather the Jews wherever they were scattered from and he would bring them back to their land. It is their land and nobody else's land and miraculously they would become a nation again. Now you see the the, the painting up on the screen. That's a painting about Ezekiel the prophet one day. The Lord carried uh, Ezekiel in a vision and put him down in the middle of bones in a valley. And he asked him this question. What a question. Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel said, Lord, I don't know. And he said, you speak to the bones. You prophesy out of the bones and the bones will come back together. You speak to the flesh and the flesh will come back. You speak to the breath and the breath will come back. And when he did that, he saw in his vision multitudes of people standing in that valley. And then the punchline is verse number 11. Let me tell you who they are. Who are they? They're the house of Israel. That is a prophecy. What's it a prophecy of? And this happened in, um, I was born. I don't know if you were born. No, I wasn't born during this time. Excuse me. It happened. May 14th, 1948. And this is where it happened in that room right there. That is a place where Israel declared itself a nation and the man, the short man standing is the first prime minister, David Ben-Gurion, one of the fathers of the nation of Israel. Now, our president, Harry Truman, was counseled by everybody on his staff. If they declare themselves a nation, don't you dare recognize them. If you recognize them, we will have war on our hands that we cannot control. And Truman, one of his best friends, was a Jewish man. And this Jewish man, a business partner, said, If God is doing this, you better not stand against him. You better recognize him. And that night, Harry S. Truman 
said the U.S. officially recognizes the new, newly reborn nation of Israel. Someone say amen. Now that date is important in history. There's a prophecy about a fig tree. When you see the fig tree born, b- come into bloom, it's the nation during that time. During that time, that's when my son will be back. So I don't know how long the generation is, but that signaled a very important time in the history of the earth. Now, uh, we, a group of us in church, we're going to go to Israel next year, about this time next year, April 1st till, till the 11th. That's the tentative dates. We've got a guide. We're putting together our itinerary. I've been there six times. It's my favorite place on the earth. And I want to take some of you guys, if you're interested, send me a text. Your uncle Steve loves you with all of his heart, but I ain't paying for your way. It's on you. You got to pay if you want to go, but it's going to be a fun, fun trip. Point number five. You should know this. There's been about 2,000 specific prophecies that have already been fulfilled. If you want to prove the existence of God, just go to the prophecies. If you want to prove that the scripture is accurate, all you got to do is go to the prophecies. That's all you got to do. God's word is true. Okay, now look at this. There's about 300 prophecies awaiting to be fulfilled. And we've read a bunch of them during this series. I think specifically it's actually like 330 prophecies that are about at some point in time to be fulfilled. Now, here's a good question. Why? Why prophecies, Steve? Why does the Father communicate? For two reasons. One, because he cares for people, which is you and people that don't know him. The other reason is because he's a good father and good fathers speak. Okay? So that's why we have this book. That's why you have the Holy Spirit on the inside. Now, what we're going to read today, and we'll just go as far as we can, and we'll pick it up wherever we leave off. What is described, this city called the, what's the city called? I'm sorry, what's the city called? The New Jerusalem. That's the city. This is the city that I believed that when Abram, Abraham was living in his hometown of Ur, he had an encounter with the Lord. And the Lord spoke to him, I want you to leave. Where? To a place I'll tell you when you get there. And Hebrews tells us he saw a city in the faith realm, not made with human hands, whose builder and architect was God Almighty. Now, he didn't see this. He saw this city by faith, but he didn't see it physically until he died. But that's the city he saw. Also, this to me is what Paul the Apostle saw when he was preaching in this city in Turkey called Lystra. Everyone say Lystra. 
And the people there got so mad at him, especially the Jews that were following him, trying to break up everything he did. They drug him out of the city. They lined him up against a wall and they took rocks the size of bricks and they took turns throwing them at his head, hitting him in the ribs, hitting him in the legs until there was a pile on top of him. And the scripture says they left him for dead. All the believers scattered. If you look on this map, this is where Lystra is. If you can see it, it's kind of small. So the believers scattered. And then after the bad guys left, they came out of the city and quietly came around him and found his body. And the scripture says they gathered around him, I guess, praying. And he got up and he went back. I think I'd have gone to another place. He went back in the city. And I think this is what Paul saw when he said in Corinthians, he said, let me tell you about an experience. I don't know if I died or I was caught up in a vision, but I saw heaven. I saw a ton of stuff. I saw such wonderful, beautiful, glorious things. It messed me up. It messed me up so bad. I did not want to come back. I didn't want to fool with anything or anybody. I wanted to stay right there. But the father said, you're going back. And I believe this is what he saw, this city, the new Jerusalem. The night he was betrayed in the upper room, Jesus said this. I go to prepare a place. Everyone say place. One more time, say place. A place for you, a concrete, real, authentic place, not some mystical cloud. I've come to prepare a place for you that where I am, I want you to be there too. And it seems like today, 2,000 years later, he is still preparing that place. It took us about a year to build this room. I built two houses and it took me a year to build each one of them. But I want to show you how grand this is. They, his angels, his foremans, his architects, his heavenly tradesmen have been working on this place for 2,000 years. It is an amazing place. And one day the father will lean over from the throne and say to his son, son, it's time to go get your girl. Go get your bride because the home is built for her. And number four, it's very sad, 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 sad. This is the place that should have been Judas's home. He was selected one of the 12. He had the best thing going, but Judas couldn't wait. Judas wanted power, he wanted prestige, he wanted a position, and he couldn't wait. And so he listened to the devil and he sold his Savior for a paltry amount. The price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver in our currency, you know how much that is? It's about $400. He missed heaven for $400. He missed 
the prestige of his calling for $400. And Jesus warned them and all of us, what does it really profit a man? If you gain everything in this life and you lose your soul. Now look at verse number one of chapter 21. John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there was no longer any sea. Still fishing, still jet skiing, but oceans divide us. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. He will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death, no longer mourning or crying or pain because the first things have passed away. He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Right. For these words are two things. They are faithful and they are true. He said to me, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the A in Greek, and that is the Z in Greek. I'm the first, I'm the last, and I own everything in between. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Verse number nine, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with me saying, come here. Everyone say that, please come here and I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. So this is the first thing that John saw in this chapter. He saw a brand new heaven and a recreated earth because he said those old things have passed away. Then next, he saw this majestic city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven and descending to this recreated earth. The third thing he saw was God the Father dwelling among his people. And the word dwelling is the same word for tabernacle, just like the movable tent in the Old Testament where the presence of God would be. Because God loves being with his family. There'll be no more death. No more broken hearts. No more cancer. No more leukemia. No more wrongs, no more pain, no more gallbladder surgeries, praise the Lord. Because all those things are passed away. And the scripture says he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Because the father will make all wrongs right. The father will bring healing to every wound. And he will restore purpose 
to all the ones with broken hearts, and it's going to be a great day. Everyone say hallelujah. And then he said this, you can count on me because the one who said it is faithful and true because I make all things new. Now this afternoon and tonight, think about those words. He is faithful. Everyone say faithful. What does the word faithful mean? It means he's going to be loyal to you to the end. And true. Everyone say true. What does that mean? You can count on what he says. He's faithful. He's true. And number six, everyone that's thirsty and hungry will be satisfied in this new city, Jerusalem. In Samaria, Jesus met a woman who came in the middle of the day to get water because that was the only time she could come. And she, he said an amazing thing. He said to this broken woman, he said, would you please give me a drink of water? And she looked at him and said, what? How can you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, to give you water? And he said, if you knew the water that I give you, that you'll never thirst again for. Have you ever been thirsty? Have you ever wanted to know the Lord? The night I gave my heart to the Lord, I had several people talk to me over six months about the Lord. And every time somebody talked, two strangers, a baseball coach, then an 85-year-old woman was speaking in my home church. But every time someone talked to me, I went closer and closer. My heart went more open and open. And somebody invited me to come to a revival kind of meeting, and this 85-year-old woman was speaking. I didn't want to come. I didn't like church. I didn't like preachers. I didn't like Christians. But I came out of obligation, and I sat right about there because every seat in the house was full. Boy, the Lord just got me. He made me come right down front. And within about five minutes of hearing her speak, I felt like the Holy Spirit came and sat beside me and put his arm around me. And he whispered to my heart and I whispered back to him, she has what I've been looking for because I was thirsty. And that's the night I found Christ. And maybe you're thirsty. Maybe you're needy tonight. He's the only one that can satisfy long-term. And point number seven, Jesus went on to talk about a group of people that were overcomers. Say the word overcomers. To be an overcomer means you had to have something to get over. You had disappointment. You had heartache. You had hard things. And you needed to persist in order to follow the Lord. And there's going to be a reward for us who have persisted doggedly, resolutely to follow the Lord in spite of all kind of difficult things that came our way. We would just not quit. We would not give up. Even when we failed, we would get back up the next day and start walking 
with the Lord. You see this painting here? It's prophetic. Jesus said, if somebody follows me, and if you put your hand to the plow, and all these people had worked the fields, if you put your hand to the plow, and then you turn around and leave the the plow, you're not worthy of me. You have to grab hold You have to hang on. You have to stay the course no matter how hard hard or hot or difficult or no matter how many stumps are in the field or how many insects are biting you. You have to do what he's asking you. You have to follow. Don't turn back. Don't let go. Even if you let go and stop following, get your hands back on the plow. There's nothing back there in your previous life worth chasing. Nothing. And we're all going to be glad we didn't quit. And we became an overcomer. And people in the next realm, when they see the new Jerusalem, they will be surprised at the inheritance Every child of God receives, and it's tangible. It's tangible rewards. Jesus said, everyone who overcomes will inherit these things. Were you faithful with the talents and gifts God gave you? It's going to be a wonderful day. Then one of the seven angels said to John, come here. I believe if an angel this big told me the little pipsqueak, come here. Yes, sir. Come here and I will show you the bride. Everyone say the bride. And I don't know if your version says this, who is the wife of the lamb. Why this wedding picture? Well, because when a marriage is good, you put the ring on your finger, and it can be about as good as you want it to be. And you're completely in, and you're going to serve, and you're going to forgive, and you're going to love, and you're going to develop a friendship that is the best picture of what heaven is like. I want to show you the bride. I want to show you the wife of the king. And John was taken to a high mountain and he was shown the holy city. He was shown the new Jerusalem. Verse number 10, he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, verse 11, her brilliance was like a very costly stone as a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great high wall with 12 gates. And at the gates, verse 12, were 12 angels and names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. 
And there are three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And one spoke with me with a golden measuring rod to measure the city, its gate, and its wall. And the city was laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its width. And he measured the city. And let's see what he found it to be. So this city is dazzling. It is stunning. It is majestic. And the very glory of God radiates from it. The walls are massive. And the 12 gates had the individual names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now look on the screen. You see the 12 sons of Jacob. And their name is on each one of the gates. Why, Steve? I'll give you my theory. Now, there is no artwork on this earth to approximate the beauty of this place. This is a gate I just found online. Heaven's gates are three million times more glorious and majestic than this. But this is not a bad gate. This is why the names of the tribes of Israel are on the gates is because they will remind us of the one people that opened the doors of heaven for us. And it's the sons of Jacob, his descendants, the Jews. The Jews today in Israel are still the apple of God's eye. They are still the chosen people. They, by and large, don't understand their significance, but more Jews are coming to know Jesus than ever in, in, in history. But God has a big role to play, and it's been 4,000 years ago when God appeared to this man, Abram, and said this, I'm going to use your family to bless all the Gentile nations of the earth. And every time we walk through those gates, we'll say, Lord, thank you for those people. Thank you for those people. And then there's foundation stones in the city. And they are inscribed with the names of the 12 apostles. Peter, one day at the end of Jesus' ministry, said, Lord, I don't get this. We have left our wives, our children, our businesses, our friends, and we followed you for three years. And you tell us this week that you're going to be killed and crucified and we're going to scatter like rabbits. I don't get it. He said, the time will come. You will be honored greatly for following me. Now, here's an artist's rendering of the twelve. I believe Paul probably took Judas's place. Most of them were young men. This is what I want to say about these guys. Are you ready? 
They are not perfect. They are flawed guys just like us. They were fearful. They were petty. They were jealous. They were up again and down again, up and down and up and down. Jesus got so frustrated with these guys. But in heaven, they will be honored greatly because their names are on the found are on the foundations of the wall because they are the first. Everyone say first. What do you mean first? They bought in first. They risk first. Eleven out of the twelve were martyred. They died first. And the gospel spread through them first. And you and I owe them also when we get to heaven because Jesus honors them. A listing of the stones are in verse 19. I'm not going to take the time to read them, but each one of the apostles has a stone, I guess, And their name is on that stone and that foundation stone might be 100 feet high and 300 feet long. I do not know. The angelic leader told John that earth's ways of measuring things are based on heaven's engineering and calculations. You look through the scriptures, you see a lot of things being measured. So therefore, the angel gives John and tells him to write down in cubits, which translates to feet, which translates to yards. And the wall of the new Jerusalem is 72 yards thick. This room is about 30 yards. That is a thick wall. If you think about a football field, you look at the size of a football field. This gentleman here has the record for the longest field goal in NFL history. Justin Tucker, 66 yards. But consider three quarters of a football field. That's how thick the wall is. This is Istanbul, Turkey. I love this city myself. It's old, it's historic. Uh, Everybody see it? It's the largest city in Europe. The city is divided by this river. They call it the Bosphorus Strait. It goes from the Black Sea in the north, goes, cuts Istanbul in half, and empties into another sea. I don't remember the name of it. See it right there? See the Bosphorus Strait? This is a map of the city. On the left is Europe. On the right is what? Asia. It's all Turkey. I had one of our global partners. I was going to spend the night with the family in Istanbul. I was going, I don't remember where I was going. 
And so my young friend picked me up at the airport. And I was surprised he picked me up on his motorcycle. <laughs> I was going, is this how we're getting to your place? This is how we're going. You can either get on or walk. I said, well, okay. So he put the 80-pound suitcase in my lap. And I put my 45-pound briefcase over my neck, which was not smart, behind me. There was no helmet. He drove pretty fast. Traffic is crazy in Istanbul. And I hugged my young friend like, I don't know, a bear. And he zipped through the city back and forth. And he didn't help me when he just, he told me, oh, by the way, Steve, this is the widest city in the world. I go, well, how wide is it? He said, it's a hundred miles wide. And we hit every pothole. <laughs> I still kept pull, pushing my teeth back in my mouth. But I want you, I want you to compare, I want you to think. How wide is New York? How wide is Chicago? If this is the widest city, 100 miles, Jesus is telling us something about his city. Are you ready? Verse number 16. So the angel measured the city for you, and it is 1,500 miles long. Did, did you get that? What, what, what's 1,500 miles? Look at the little map. See the little map? It looks small. See the little map? I want you to see Charlotte on the right-hand side, Charlotte, North Carolina. And I want you to see Denver, Colorado. That is about 1,500 miles. You know what this is? This is a big city. This is, by the way, not the only city. There's a lot of cities in the future kingdom. Well, how do you know that? Because Jesus said, if you're faithful in 10 things... I'll put you over 10 cities. So, so are, are you with me so far? Are you, are you following me? Now, watch what else the angel says. He said, by the way, it's 1,500 miles this way. It is 1,500 miles this way. Well, what is this way? Picture Miami all the way to Boston. Do you know what that is? That's a big city. This is your city. This is part of your inheritance. Are you ready? I don't know if your imagination is still in your pumpkin, but I want you to follow this. Are you ready? Here's the next round. Then he said, it's 1,500 miles this way. It's 1,500 miles this way. It's 1,500 miles this way. And my guess is with levels. That's how it would look approximately from outer space. This is your part of your inheritance for your faithfulness. And Jesus, I'll let you read this on your own, who designed his capital city. He made the walls from jasper. Now, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a jasper stone. This is a mineral. This is a jasper stone. This jasper stone is opaque. Everyone say opaque. 
which means you can't see through it. The scripture says the jasper he uses, you can see through. It's reddish, it's yellow, it is glimmering, it is beautiful. Then he goes on to say, there's gold everywhere. The streets are gold, the buildings are gold. It glimmers. Why, Steve? My guess it is to show the great wealth and power of the risen king of all kings. And the scripture says the glory of the son of God radiates through the very walls. Worship team, would you guys come out? So the 12 costly stones that are used as layers with the names of the apostles, it gives those verses 19 and 20. Then we get to the last thing I want to talk about. How many gates are there that John was told about? Twelve. And the names of the who's on the gates? The tribes of Israel. Verse 12 says, John couldn't figure this out. The gates, majestic gates are made from pearl. Now, this artist, I mean, I I wouldn't know how to draw it. But this artist drew it like one single pearl. And Junior, the angel, every time people want to go, okay, move it one more time. Okay, put it back. I don't think it's like that. The, The gates will never be closed. Verse 25 says, And here's what the angel told John. Each gate is from one single pearl. And if the gates are 200 feet tall, this room is probably, what, 50 feet, 45 feet? If the gates are 200 feet tall, I believe they're beautifully carved, ornate, And every gate tells a story of the goodness of God. And part of the story is found in Matthew 13. And Jesus said this. There was a pearl merchant who made a lot of money buying, trading rare pearls. And one day he's in the marketplace And he sees one pearl that would make him instantly, fabulously rich. One pearl. He goes back to his company, to his import-export business, to all of his stock, and he sells off everything as quick as he can 
to get back to the marketplace so he can put cash down to buy the one pearl of great price. For a long time, I thought that was the pearl of great price was Jesus. I don't think that at all. The pearl of great price is you. And you. And you. And you. Because the Father saw you. And he emptied the treasury of heaven, which was his son. So with the blood of his son, he could purchase you, ransom you, and make you his child. And for all of eternity, when you go through those gates, you will see the greatest display of how much God loves you. If you're thirsty today, if you fill a void today, you're watching online, you need satisfaction. You want peace. You want purpose. It comes by surrendering your heart to the Lord Jesus. It's a gift that lasts forever. It's the drink of water that satisfies. It's the one meal that you'll never be hungry again. So if you're watching online, you're with us today. And if you're ready to receive that gift, every head bowed, every eye closed. The Holy Spirit has been drawing you. Say yes to him. Just surrender. What you're holding on to is worthless. But if you'd like to find that peace, be forgiven. And be a child of the living God. Pray with me right where you sit. And say, Lord Jesus, I need you today. Come into my heart today and be my Savior and Lord. Because I give you my life. Give me a home in heaven and write my name in your book because today is my day to come home. In Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and eye closed, if you prayed that prayer with me, would you just slip your hand up right now? Slip your hand up right now. Wonderful. Anybody else? Wonderful. Anybody else? Anybody else? Well, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness as we continue to worship during this final time. If you're asking people to do something, may they say yes to you. If people need prayer for sickness, for a friend, for anything, may they come and find that. And we ask this in Jesus' name. The altar is open. If you prayed that prayer, come over here and see me. Fontes and Angela, we'd like to give you a gift before you leave. Let's worship.
Lord Jesus, thank you that you're so mindful of where we are, what's going on. You understand everything. You have a plan to help us. Draw us to yourself. And thank you for your great compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. You're welcome to linger and get prayer. You're welcome to just hang out and be with the Lord for a while. Um, Pick up your children. There's, uh, if you're new to the church and would like some information about the church, just on the other side of the wall, there's something called Snacks and Facts. You're welcome to drop in. Serve the Lord well. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take the next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.